the book of Zechariah, the 12th chapter. And God has a wonderful word today. It's deep, and I pray that your mind will be open. It's called Entering Canaan, the worship center of our soul. Entering Canaan, the worship center of our soul. And as always, with the type of revelatory knowledge that we teach here at House of Destiny, always got to break some ground to try to get us into where we are. Canaan represents the land where we bow down to God. The word Canaan means bowing down to God. It's not a physical land, it's a spiritual land. You've got to understand that God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him according to the word of God, Jesus Christ speaking. They must worship him in spirit and in what? True. So this word is spirit. These words that we speak are like spirit, therefore they are what? Life. That's what Jesus said, right? So Amen. we're dealing with a spiritual word here. Amen. Canaan. Canaan, the land where we bow down to God. As we know, we go through the wilderness of this earthly life of existence in an attempt to get to that land where we bow down to God. Do we not? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, let's kind of break this thing down and see what God is talking about here. Let's hold your place there in Zechariah, because that's the main text. Hold your place there. And go to Matthew 11, verse 12. And when you get to Matthew... 11, verse 12, because what I'm going to do is equate something here with Cain. In the book of Matthew, the 11th chapter, the 12th verse, the Bible tells us that, paraphrasing that ever since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has been, suffers violence, and the violence taken by force. Two things happened in the kingdom of God when John the Baptist, his days come. Now, John the Baptist means being overwhelmed with grace. John means grace is the gift of God. That's John. Baptist means, or to be baptized means to be overwhelmed with what John was stated as being, grace. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ who was to bring grace. So, ever since the days that grace has overwhelmed us in our life, something has happened. The kingdom of God, which is inside of us, Luke 17, 21, explicitly states that the kingdom of God is inside of us. So don't be looking out there. you got to find it here first, okay? Once you, there you go. Amen, daughter. Crank it up. Now, now, here's what we got. We have, ever since we've gotten saved, the kingdom of God that's inside of us, it suffers violence. And the violent, the Bible says, takes it by force. Sound like war, does it not? Okay. So now we've got to equate the kingdom of God, the kings respectively, the kingdom of heaven, with the land of Canaan. When they entered into Canaan, what did they have to do? They had to fight. They had to fight. If you remember last year, last week what we talked about, we talked about how once you were illuminated in the Word of God, what happens? Great afflictions come. Remember Hebrews ten thirty two. Remember your teachings. Amen. 
How many of y'all remember? Tell the truth. God's watching. <laughs> so here's the problem with church folk. Church folk don't remember what God has said. It falls by the wayside. So we hear the word, we receive the word, but as soon as we go out the door, the devil steals it. And we don't remember. Because we go back to our normal way of doing things. And that's just a mild rebuke to pull us up, all of us. That's all. Because you can't come in here and not, and not build on what, see, there's a strategy with God. And God is trying to get us to a place. Amen. Come on. And we need to remember what's coming across this pulpit and what's coming across past this pulpit. You know what I'm saying? We need to remember what's coming across these pulpits because we're building something here. We're building something here called the church. Okay? Now, what happens is, is that when we got saved, hell breaks loose in our life. And right when we start to do things for God, the challenges come. You know, car breakdown, you get sick, you lose your job, refrigerator break. Always something. The devil is always going to hit us at our lowest point. He's always going to hit us with what we like to be or what we need to be. He hit Jesus with hunger after 40 days. Anybody is hungry after 40 days. So what did the devil do? He tried to hit him at his lowest point. That's what he does to us. Same thing. Whatever it is that you like and you weep for and you're in need of, that's what the devil hit you at. All of us. See, that's where the fighting comes in at. So ever since the days of John the Baptist, ever since that grace has came into our lives because we got saved, the kingdom that's inside of us suffered violence. And we got to be warriors, soldiers, because the violence, it says, takes this kingdom by force. See, this thing that's inside of us, it's got to be taken, just like the land of Canaan. You see how they equate? Amen. There's a fight in each one because they're one in the same. See, when you get to that place of Canaan, Canaan is where we bow down to God. But there's a problem. There's some things hanging around in Canaan because Canaan is the realm of your soul because that's where we're going to bow down to in that. But there are some inhabitants in Canaan that don't belong there, is it not? There are some things that the, the, the soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. There are some things in our mind, there are some things in our will, there are some things in our emotions that ought not be there, right? And for us to get down and get into that land where we're supposed to be so that we can bow down to God, these things have to be eradicated, right? It's a wall, right? Between the spirit and the flesh, correct? Now, watch, watch how this thing goes. Back over here in Joshua, just... Just listen to me for a minute. In the book of Joshua, we find Joshua means Savior, just like Jesus. Same thing. Joshua's a type of Jesus. He leads God's people into Canaan. Moses didn't do it, right? It was Joshua that crossed the Jordan with the church in the wilderness. It was Joshua that did that. Because Joshua means Savior. You see, Moses represented the law. And the law couldn't get you into Canaan. Oh, y'all want to hear it? Come on. The law couldn't get you there. Only grace could get you there. Amen. Come on. 
See, the Savior had to take you across that Jordan. See, so what God is trying to do is show up through Joshua is Jesus. So what did he do? He takes, and Joshua leads the church, Israel. We're all Israel. We're all one in Christ. We're all being grafted into that tree called Israel. There are no more Jews or Greeks. There's just us, according to Galatians 3, 28 and 29. There are no more Jews. There are no more Gentiles. None of that. If you're in Christ, then we're all one. That's what God's Word says. I don't care about no theology or how you think about it. I'm not concerned about that. I'm giving you the Word of God. Galatians 3, 28 and 29 says, There's no more Jew, there's no more Greek, there's no more free, there's no more bond. If we're in Christ, we're all one, and we're heirs to the promise of Abraham. Now, that's the Word of God. And we've all been grafted in. So... If you want to exclude yourself from being Israel, that's on you, but I'm Israel. I'm part of this thing, you know, through Jesus Christ. So, here we are. Joshua takes, and he takes Israel, the church, across the Jordan. Now, the Jordan represents the spiritual stream of life. We get saved in the Jordan, people. Now, once we get saved in the Jordan... And we cross over that spiritual stream of life being led by who? Joshua, which means Savior, right? I'm trying to correlate this thing where you can understand what's going on because the Old Testament ain't nothing but a shadow of things to come according to the book of Hebrews, right? Amen. I'm glad I got some biblical scholars in here. Amen. Somebody know this thing, you know? Help me out here. So, what's happening is, is that we take and... We go, and the first place that they stop after you get saved, the first place that Joshua and the Israelites stopped was a place called Gilgal. Gilgal means the circle of God. See, when you get saved, you're in the circle of God then. Did you hear me, church? Yes, sir. I say, once you get saved, because some of y'all look kind of blank this morning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But... Look here, we're going to roll on anyway, because, see, God's trying to help you. See, see I, my job is to just throw it out there. That's my job. I plant, I water, God has to increase. Now, if you want to be blessed in your life, then you better catch this. And stop acting like it ain't important to you. You better catch this thing. Now, that's if you want to be blessed. Or you can just keep on living like you live. I don't feel like living depressed no more. I don't feel like that no more. I don't care nothing about that no more. The, God, the Word of God says that we are the head and not the tail, and I'm not living underneath my being no more. That's right. We're the head and not the tail. It's time for us to take charge. But you got to take charge of what's inside you first. You got to take this kingdom by force. That's what the Word says. So, the first place when they cross the Jordan, the first place when the spiritual, when you cross that spiritual stream of life, the first place you stop is a place called Gilgal, the circle of God. When you get saved, you're in the circle of God. Now you're getting instructions for what? Warfare. Because the first thing they did after they entered into Gilgal was they went and took down a place called Jericho. Now let's see spiritually what's going on here. Jericho means fragrance. Jericho had a wall around it. Jericho is your soul. Your soul 
has a fragrance to it. Remember we talked about the fragrance of God? How it emits a sweet smell into God when we give love to one another and toward one another. You see, your soul gives off a smell of incense. Okay? All right. But if Jericho, which is the fragrance within your soul, if it's, in, if it's bottled up in your soul and it's got a wall around it, don't that wall have to be broken? God got to break you. Amen. In order to get the flavor out of you, in order to get the fragrance out of you, God say, I dwell in the broken, in the place of the broken spirit and the contrite hearts. That's some humble places. That's where you've been broken by some things. Amen. You know, so when the wall came down, what happened? They took Jericho. See, that's what happened. So the first thing that takes place in our life after we get saved and get in the circle of God is that we got to allow God to break us so that the fragrance can start flowing in our life. Amen. That wall that we had, that the world had on us, has to be broken down, does it not? That's right. Here's the problem. When it was captured, Achan did a grave thing. He took something that wasn't supposed to be taken. So we have to be careful right there. Mm -hmm. Because we got the instructions from God to do it a certain way. But when we went to do it, we still had a little bit of self in there. Mm -hmm. So what happened? After that, they had the next little place called Ai. Little bitty place. They should have whooped them to death. But you see, because of sin, they went up there, and Ai, that little bitty place, Told us up. See, a lot of times some small battles in our life that we should have Come on. Come conquered. On. What happens is, is that we go up in there and get tore up the little foxes. Yes. We go up in there and get our heads tore off. Why? Because we kept a little bit of self when we should have, when we were at Jericho. When we were being broken, mm -hmm. instead of being all the way broken, we kept a little bit of stuff to ourselves. You see? Sin in the camp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we went up in there to next to the next battle, and what happened? We get whooped. But once we discover what the problem was and we eradicated, then what happened was the power of God, which has been released through Joshua, it begins to capture land. So what happens is, is that we get saved over here. That's the joy. We get saved. Canaan is over here. Inside of Canaan is the kingdom of God. But in between here and getting to the center of the worshiping in your soul, where the kingdom of God is, there are all kinds of Amorites and Hittites and Perizzites and some Termites too. All kinds of fights are up in there that you got to war with. Am I making that so clear? Because we're trying to get to a destination. And in order to get to that destination, the kingdom of God is suffering violence because all these inhabitants got it in control. But in order for us to get it, we got to take it by force. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 11, 12, that the body take it by force. If you ain't ready to fight for this thing, how you going to be a soldier if you ain't ready to fight? Come on. So, do you think that the army takes soldiers just to have them called soldiers? Or do they fix them up so that they can go to war? Amen. Amen. 
And anything might happen at Walmart. You can come back lame or crazy or whatever, you know. I come back a little bit all of it. I did. But I'm still fighting. Amen. You see. So what happens is, is that when they, when they, when they clean up, AI is taken, finally, because Achan is destroyed out of the camp, sin. Now, they began to take a conquest. So what happens is, is that God, he takes, and once the power of God begins to flow in you, what happens is, is that it begins to be like a, a virus. It begins to take land in you. That's what the power of God does. So God's power, it begins to take land. If you read Joshua, it begins to take land in the south, which is your subconscious. It begins to take land in the north, which is your conscious. In other words, you begin to have a mind of Christ. It begins to take land in the east, which is within you. It begins to take land in the west, which is outside of you. So what happens is, is that when the power of God begins to surge in you, you start getting blessed from the inner to the outer and everything else. That's what the power of God does. See, it's like a magnet. See, see, the things in the world start coming your way. The things that you need start coming your way. The things inside of yourself start coming your way. The things in your subconscious, you know, start coming your way. The good things, you know, everything begins to be transformed by that power that has been released from you coming up out of that joy of the river, that spiritual stream of life. So you begin to take land within yourself. Once you take land within yourself, then God will make sure that you got a good job, decent home. I mean, don't he do that? Amen. Don't he do it quick? Amen. All you got to do is be willing, right? Amen. If you're willing and obedient, I'll give you the good of the land and you'll live from it. That's, That's right. what he said. That's what he said. He said, I will hold no good thing back from my children. That's what God said. All God wants us to do is what we're doing here this morning. Just hear his word, receive his word, and do the best you can with it, and God will make things happen in your life. He will, man. Things will begin to happen in your life, and then things will start coming your way. So you start getting up, you start, you start gathering all this land. All of this land begins to start coming your way. Now, let's go to the main text today, because all I'm doing is setting the stage for you to understand what's going on here. Let's go to Zechariah. Notice now, it's entering Canaan, the worship center of your soul. Over there. The word of the Lord says in verse 10, Zechariah 12, verse 10. 10. Zechariah 12, verse 10. Mm -hmm. Are we there? He says, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of what? Grace. And of supplication. That word supplication, that means faith in that particular. So God's going to pour out two things on your life when you come about that joy of the river. He's going to pour grace on you and faith on you. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Now that's his word. 
He said, I will pour upon the house of David. David is the beloved of God. That's your soul that's been saved now. See, that's the house that's beloved of God now. David's house. All of us that are in Christ, we're in David's house. Because the lineage of it all ran through David. And now we've been grafted in, we're all a part of it. You got to understand now. You got to understand your, your inheritance. See, a lot of folks don't understand their inheritance. You've got to understand your inheritance with God. God said, I've given you all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's your heritage, people. Now, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Now, don't you think that God, if he owns all that, and whatever your little needs are, that he can appropriate it? I mean, you have not because you ask not, and then when we ask, we ask amiss. So God wants us to come boldly before the throne of grace, but we got to be in order with him. See, a lot of us go to God, and we go out of order. See, you got to give God here first before you can go to him and ask for yours. That's, right. that's why the Bible says, he said, well, teach us to pray. Well, Jesus, that's the only thing that disciples ask God to do, teach him how to pray. He didn't have to do nothing else to teach us, Lord, teach us how to pray. And the Lord said, this is how you pray. First, you need to give honor to God. Our Father. That's right. Then you need to give honor to where He is, which are in yeah. heaven. Amen. And then you need to tell Him what He is. Holy is His none. And then you got to ask, what you want, Lord? Thy kingdom come, be done on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> see, so you 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 talking to Him about who He is first before you start coming up in there to talk about what you need. Well, see, some of us, we, 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 we come to God and we, we, we come with what we call disorderly conduct. Amen? Amen. Ain't that what we do? So we come from the get disorderly. When he done told us how to do this stuff. But now, we pray every other prayer except the one that he told us to pray. That's right. It had to be a reason for the man to tell us to pray the way he said pray. But how do we come? Lord, I need mean, you. You get conduct. You unruly child. You done messed up from the head. Because you didn't give God no harm. He said, our Father, which are in heaven. See, you got to make this thing personally say, my Father, which are in heaven. Thy kingdom come. That's right. On earth as it is in heaven. Give not us, but give me this day. That's right. My daily bread. Make it personal. Make it personal. And forgive me for my trespasses as I forgive others that trespass against us. Make it personal. It feels different when you make it personal. I try. It feels different. It feels different. Remove us and put out. Forgive me. Don't give up. Forgive me. I'm the one that's singing. Forgive me of my transgressions. While I forgive others that don't transgress against me. Lead not us into temptation, but lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from me. See, I need to be delivered. Birds. Come on. So we come disorderly to the throne of grace. 
And we don't give God no hunger. We're going in to see the king. But we're going in like, King, I need you. Hold it. Before you come to the presence of the king, you got to bring a gift. Amen. You ain't brought no gift. All you brought is what you want. Mm-hmm. But he said, this is the gift. Present yourself as a living sacrifice unto me. That's right. That's the gift. That's the only gift he wants. If, you, if we do that, then everything else that we're supposed to do, we'll do. But see, we disorder. And we, and we just need to be pulled up on that. The Bible tells us in the 10th verse, I will pull upon the house of David, which are the souls that are of God and in God, and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, which are the inhabitants of peace. I'm going to pull out the spirit of grace and of supplications, which is of favor. And that word favor or supplications means that God is saying, I'm going to stoop down in kindness to an inferior object called man to show favor to him. God. God, I'm going to stoop down to you. I know you inferior, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my robe off and I'm going to put on a robe like a man. And I'm going to stoop down to you. I'm God, and I made man in my likeness and in my image, which is heavenly and spiritual, but this is what I'm going to do. I know I made you like me, but now I'm going to make myself like you so that I can get you back right <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. So the Lord does that for us. He stoops down. Never forgetting you. His glory, never forget it. But he knew who he was when he stepped back out of hope. And when he came down, he never forgot who he was or where he came from. You understand what I'm saying? See, God is trying to get us to remember who and what we are and stop forgetting about who we are. We're the head and not the tree. He has seated us in heavenly places with him in Christ. Seated in heavenly places. Man was prophesying to me last night and he said, Look, he said, Your life is going to take off like a sword. He said, And your church is going to take off like a sword. And he said, Look here, he said, A plane, he said, This is the thing. A plane got two kinds of wind to it. It's got a tailwind. When it pushes it down, it sends the plane up. But it's got a headwind too that can push it down and cause it to fall. He said, Yours is on the tail. You understand what I'm saying? See, that's a wind. That thing can, can, can either push you down and crash you, or it can hit you in the butt and make you move. <laughs> huh? Can a thing like do that? The wind of life can do that? Yes. So, 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 so that's what God is wanting to do for us. God wants to hit us in the tail with something that will make us move. <laughs> to take us high. Amen. That's good. So the Lord says here that they shall look upon me. I'm still in verse 10. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son 
and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness of his firstborn. Well, first of all, Revelation 1, 7 says that he comes on the cloud. Cloud means the word. Jesus said in 12, 48, these same words that I speak to you, if you reject them, the very same word that I spoke to you is going to give you. So what God is saying in Revelation 6, he's coming on the clouds, meaning that he's coming on the same words that he's spoken to us. Because that's what's going to do it. And he said, those that see him shall mourn, those that have pierced him shall see him. You see, all of us, when we get a revelation of God, we see that we're guilty of piercing Jesus. We all are guilty of it. We all are. The Bible tells us, or, 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 or my notes here says that in the midst of danger, in the midst of danger, the people will cry out to God for his help. Do we not do that? In the midst of danger, do we not cry out to God? And it's during that time that God will pour out his Holy Spirit to bring his grace and to answer that prayer. It's during that time that God will pour out that spirit of grace and favor on our life when we call on him. In the day that he shall be found. The repentant people will then recognize that they were guilty for the Roman spear that pierced the side of Jesus, the Messiah, and caused his death. We realize, you see, we come to a revelation of just what God did for us and what we as men have done against God from the beginning when we sinned. Verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 1 says, and in that day, what day? Are we at Zechariah 13? Amen. Verse 1. It says, and in that day, what day? The day when God's people will be in danger and cry out and God and allow God to pour out his spirit of grace and favor upon us. That day. In that day, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David, the church, our soul, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, those of us that are in peace for sin and for John 4, 14 says, if you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. Talking about that fountain. It says, it'll well up in you a, a, a well springing up into everlasting life. That's that fountain. Amen. John 1, 9, or 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. That's what it says here that he do to us in 13.1. It says that he will clean us from our sin and from uncleanness. This fountain will. When this thing starts to surge inside of us, we get a new revelation about the fact that, hey, I really need to allow God's power to adjust itself more in my life. But let me tell you something. Every time Israel fought a battle and conquered some land. Every time you get a triumph in your life, you can bet that a greater challenge is coming. A greater fight. It may be the same thing, but on a different level. And it's going to challenge you. And it's going to challenge me. It's going to do that every time. Every time they gathered one place and won some land, guess what happened? When they went to the next place, they had a greater challenge. And then they went to the next place. And they had an even greater challenge. And it just kept going on and on and on and on and on. And some of people they run up on with giants or, 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 the, or the descendants of the giants. Some of them. In other words, some of these things that we're going to be running up on as we conquer the land inside of us are going to be some 
restaurant stronghold. Yeah. That's why we got to be long suffering with each other. We got to be loving with each other. And we got to allow the word of God to clean us up as we go. So you come in as you are and let God clean you up as you go. Well, that's all you can do. That's all you can do. See, I, to, to, to use an example, and, and I'm not knocking nobody, but I'm just going to use an example, you know. That's why I put that thing out there on that smoking rock. That's why I put that trash can out there, because I understand. You let them come in, and then you teach God, teach the Word, and then let God clean them up. Amen. It's not my job to clean you up. It's my job to preach the Word to you and let God add the increase in your life. My job is not to judge you at the condition you're in right now. And I don't want you judging me at the condition I'm in right now. Praise God that all that's out of here. Amen. Can I get a hand clap? Hey. That you come in as you are, and then let God be God in the person's life. Amen. You know what I'm saying? And be there to help them. It's about love, the fruit of the Spirit. Is what? Long suffering, love, joy, peace, all that good stuff. Yes. You know, it's a word. But it's a good thing when, you, when, when, when we're flowing together with it. And seeing what God is doing, you know? Bless him, Lord. Yes, bless him. Bless all of us. Because that's exactly what God wants to do. So, the word of God says in uh, verses uh, 2, 13, 2, Zechariah 13, 2, it says, And in that, and it, and it shall come to pass in that day, still talking about that day, saith the Lord of hope, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land. See, God will do that. Amen. See, see, that's what I just said. Amen. When the spirit of grace and favor come on your life, that idol that you got, whatever it is, that, that stronghold, that thing that, that's got you, God said, I'll cut it out of you. He didn't say for me to cut it out of you. He said, I'll do that. You just preach the word. I'll do the rest of it. Come on. He said, Cause I don't hold no judgment on nobody. I don't. No, 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 no. I ain't got time for that. I'm just gonna love you. And I want the same thing back. Love. Amen. Amen. Cause I'm gonna be into it. Amen. So I don't want nobody to put me in a place where you ain't yourself willing to get. Oh, you gonna put me in the oven, but you ain't willing to get in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> but you gonna always fight out on me. <laughs> yeah, you gonna turn it all the way up. How far we gonna fight? Not turn it up. Come on. Okay, let's look at that. You gotta know how mean people are. They show the thing on the news is when they go that they were electrocuting that where they thought the people were thought they were electrocuting the people, and and they were running up there right, and they hear the people hop right. Can't stand it no more. They want to see how many people were. And some of them jokes, the majority, about 90% of them said, turn it up some more. <laughs> I'm serious. That's how mean people are. But see, they really wasn't electrocuting the people. They were just doing a test to see how mean-spirited people are. And they said, turn it up. Turn it up some more. 
the more they holler, the more they want to turn. Ain't we something? But what if it's you? But what if it's you? You know what I'm saying? But what if it's you? You want to turn it up, but, but turn this thing around. No, no, you don't want to get in it, but you want to kill everybody else. That's right. Like Colonel Kadab talking about, y'all sinning, y'all sinning. Y'all sinning? What you been doing to me, buddy? You don't even know what sin is, though, before I told you what it's got. Yeah. But now they sin, because they got here. They got here. Man, look, I feel for them, though. But hey, you know, hey, you know, I mean, Bible said, you know, you get about four, you got about four. That's what it says. But anyway, it says that I'm going to cut these olives out of the land and they shall be no more remembered. And also, I will cause the prophets, that's the false prophet, and unclean spirits to pass out of the land. The word of God said, it should come to pass that when any shall yet prophesy, then his father and his mother that begot him shall say unto him, Thou shalt not live, and thou shalt speak lies, and thou, for thou speak lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and mother and his mother that begot him shall thrust him through when he prophesied. Well, Second Corinthians ten five talks about how we are to cast down every imagination that exalt and every thought that exalts itself against who God is, you know, that we're supposed to bring that thing into captivity of Christ, you know, we're supposed to bring it down, you know. So that's basically what it's talking about here, because I'm running out of time here. And it shall come to pass in that day that the prophets shall be ashamed, every one of his vision. You see them things that we used to think about? We start getting ashamed about it. Because the word prophet means inspired speaker from the beginning. See, see. And something has been speaking to us to inspire us to do What's false against God, right? Something has to speak to us. But God said, I'm going to pass all that out of you when the spirit of grace and favor come on your life. In other words, I'm going to work some things out for you. Amen. Okay? I'm going to work it out for you, he said. It says that, and neither shall they wear a rough garment to deceive. That means that they won't flow in disorder no more. That rough garment represents they were disorder. Y'all remember disorderly conduct? They won't flow in that I'm trying to run on down to because there's a way to seem right to a man, but the end result thereof is death. Second Corinthians five seventeen says we don't know no man by the flesh. No man. Verse five says, But he shall say, I am no prophet, till you come to a revelation. <laughs> that he's been lying to himself. He said, I am a husband man. In other words, in this word here, it means I'm a mortal man. This word husband man right here means mortal. In this case. It may mean something else somewhere, but right here, in some place it means farmer, but right here it means mortal man in Hebrew. He says, and I, I am a husband man, a mortal man, for man taught me to keep what? Cattle from my youth. Cattle represents your affection. Ain't that what man has taught us to do? Has not mankind from our childhood taught us to go with what our affections tell us that we want, what our feelings want, you know? Right. They got a flash and everything. That's all we've been taught from our youth. You know, you got a little bit of baby. You can't get it just sitting on there. No, I don't die. You can't, you can't go to Walmart and get them a pair of tennis come back from Walmart again. They want to look nice, they got to have that check on them. And there ain't no bigger than that. But who taught them that? The man taught them that. They said that they've been taught 
from their youth. I can tell how, in other words, children, just like what they read, they're being taught from their youth how not to be satisfied with what God would have them to have. Because they want what they want, when they want it, why? Because that's what they see on TV, that's what they see in their home, that's what they see in school, that's what the government shows them, that's all they see. That's all they see. So they've been taught that way from their youth. Here we go. But the word says that false prophets shall be convinced of their error and their sin when the spirit of grace and all that good stuff comes. And one shall say to him, what are these wounds in thine hands? Y'all see that there in verse 6? Well, then he shall answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Proverbs 27, verse 6, says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Proverbs, verse 27, verse 6. Is that what your Bible says? Amen. Faithful. Friend of man asked me, did he get the wounds? Got him at his friend's house, didn't he? So your friend would tell you the truth, and the wounds that come from telling you the truth will be faithful wounds. But a liar and a disabled who calls himself your friend won't tell you the truth. Because they don't want to offend you. And they want everything to be all right. But I just don't want to be bothered with it because, you know, I'm just going to let the Lord handle it. But yeah, but sometimes you need to handle yourself. Yeah. Sometimes you need to be dealt with yourself, you know. So what we do, we run from our responsibility to our friend because faithful are the wounds of the friend. But deceitful, it says, are the kisses of the enemy. It says it there right there in that same scripture. But read verse 5. What does that verse 5 say there? Somebody read. But he should yeah. say, I am no prophet. I am husband. No, no. I'm talking about in Proverbs. Proverbs 27, verse 5. Y'all supposed to be there with me? Y'all faking. Faking the pump out there. Yeah, they faking. Act like they turn into it. Ain't nothing turning into it. Sit down. Sit down. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Open rebuke is better than secret love. I'm going to try you once in a while. See what you're passing the test or not. See the people in the place. Well, when I ask you, when I ask you, I say, Read it. What does verse 5 say, right? So, so you got busted. <laughs> Put the cuffs on me. You busted. Now, you'll be better next time. Ah, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Old man up here. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, right? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Because a friend will wake you up. But old deceitful one will say, well, it's all right. It's all right. We'll get it the next time. No, you should have got it that time. Because it might not be the next time. 
But I was calling that friend first. I called God. Amen. Because mm-hmm. I know God is here for me. Amen. Now, I ain't telling folks not to call. I ain't what I'm saying. You got to understand what we're saying up in here. We're trying to get you connected with God Amen. so that you can go to God. Amen. And then God will be more pleased with you when you do it properly. Because it goes back to disorderly conduct. You didn't call my name first, you called my man first. Sometimes we just need to say, okay, God, I need to help you. Because I'm fighting to get to church this morning, you know, I'm going through. Every, every Sunday morning, I'm going through. Because demon don't want me to get this to you. See, y'all don't know. <laughs> See, they don't know. They just come up here and eat a well paid meal, you know, they paid for nothing. Just come in and just eat. It's okay. Don't be mad at me. Please don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm saying, they don't think about the 35 hours that I put in just to find the word. And, and, and yeah. See, y'all talk about working 40 hours. I put 35 in at minimum just to get the word. So I had to hear from God. Yes, you understand what I'm saying? And I get to sweating by Thursday and things and Sunday. I start sweating because I know, boy, if you don't show up, I don't know what to do. Amen. Amen. You gonna try three or four different sermons that ain't none of them working? Mm-hmm. No, they ain't it either. I got to go back to the drawing board about three o'clock in the morning and get another one. Yeah. You don't want to get up here. You get on up and you sit there. And why you come in about thirty minutes later to see what you're doing? See if you're still there. Mm. I'll be in there in my office, trying to hear God. Looking all over me, looking crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to give you insight on what I go through as a pastor. Because why? I got y'all on my mind. Y'all be sleeping. You ain't standing around with dark men. You can care less at 3 o'clock in the morning whether you're living or dead. You're sleeping. Right? Let me know. But I understand that time or not. That's okay. I'm not mad at you. I gotta get away. And it takes time to, to get a quality word. Has this not been a quality word for you today? Yeah. Have your soul been saved today? Yeah. Then my job is done. Let's give God some hands.